and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right, a space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Welcome, welcome back to the Dreamcast. In today's episode, I am interviewing a lawyer, a writer, a mom, and basically someone who does all things well. But that doesn't mean it comes easily. I'm really excited for you to hear her story of perseverance, of grit, of vision, because she came to the States at 25 years old, not knowing much English at all and has a thriving career and a thriving family. So big welcome to Raquel Guzman to the Dreamcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you and with your audience. Yay, I'm excited too. So we were connected through a mutual friend who heard you speak at a conference or a night out basically called Failure Lab, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But he heard you speak and he thought, oh my gosh, you guys need to be friends. And even just chatting prior to pressing record, I so agree. We speak the same language, which is kind of funny because you didn't grow up speaking English. So uh, why don't you jump right in by sharing a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and then when did you move to the States and start speaking English? Thank you so much. Yes, I am from the Dominican Republic. I moved to the States back in 2001, actually. I I was very young. I had just met this guy that I fell in love with and he dropped the bomb that, hey, I'm from California. So I need to move to the States. And it was a very interesting experience because it was my first time moving to the United States. and, And now I had to not only learn what it was to live in another culture, but also everybody around me was speaking in English and English was not my first language. So how old were you when you moved to the States? 
I was about 25 years old, 26, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You know, I was already an adult. So it was very, very difficult. The first, I would say the first year was very hard. You know, it's just a completely different culture. But what made it harder was because now I had to speak in English or at least understand English a little bit just to even, you know, get a job or anything like that. And at that time, I still had this dream to go to law school and become a lawyer. So it was very hard. But um, thanks God, I was surrounded by people that shared me, that um, allowed me to follow my dreams, even though I was scared and everyone around me was scared that I was just going to flunk or that something was not going to go right. And, you know, I remember I moved to California and then I got accepted in a law school here in Michigan. And that's how I ended up in Michigan. I came to Michigan to attend law school and it was my first time taking classes in the English language. And you can imagine it was very hard, but here I am and I became a lawyer and I was able to learn how to speak English. How long did it take you to learn? I mean, I can imagine being fully adult, 25 years old, living in Dominican Republic, and then moving to the States. Now, when I think of California, I think there's probably a lot of people that speak Spanish there. But regardless, you need to learn English in order to fully function and go to school and get your job. And how long did it take you to to learn English? Yes. Well, to be fair, I, I already had a little basic knowledge. Like I could just say, hi, how are you? And I knew a little bit, you know, those things that you learn when you're in school, you know, like the same way here when you're in the United States, you can take some classes in um, like in Spanish. Over there, we I took a class in English, but it was very basic. So my first year living in, in California, I learned a lot because I was working in a at a hospital where I had to speak English the best I could. And I was just surrounded by people that forced me to speak English. So when I went to law school, that's when I realized that I didn't know a lot of English. You think you know until. <laughs> exactly. I thought I knew English at that time. And then, you know, I had to write and it was very hard. I, I remember I, I got a dictionary that I had to translate a lot of the words. I just didn't know many of the words. I didn't even know what they meant. It was like, it's like another language, you know, not only I was learning in English, but also had to learn the legal language. Right. Which is probably difficult for somebody who does know English regardless, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was very hard. And it took me, you know, I remember my first, my first whole semester in law school was very hard. I wanted to give up every day. People were making fun of my pronunciations. I remember having one of the professors come and talk to me because my, my writing had so many words that were misspelled or the grammar issues were bad, but that's, I was doing my best at that time. So the good thing was that by the end of my first semester, I had worked so hard every single day. I remember I will be the first one in the library. I will get there around seven in the morning and I will be the last one at midnight to get out every day for a whole six months. And if you were to ask me, I not only had the drive because I really wanted to to be a lawyer, but I was more concerned because that for me to go to law school, I had to take a huge debt. You know, I had to sign a lot of papers for my first semester. And all I could think was like, how am I going to pay all this money back if I flunk, you know? And I had that, that, that pressure on me 
But also I was like, I left my daughter in California so I could come to law school and I can't just go back with my hands empty. So I work really, really, really hard every day. And then as everything, you know, once you immerse yourself completely into something and you lower the guards and surrender, I think that things happen. And that's where my, I found my magic. I just decided, you know what, I'm here. I'm just going to work as hard as I can. I'm not going to find excuses and I'm just going to do it. Wow. And that's what I did. You had a really strong why. Now you mentioned that you wanted to be a lawyer prior to moving to California. What was it even in the Dominican that made you excited about that profession? I always think about that, dad, because I get asked that question a lot. And I always used to say, well, my, my father's a lawyer. My sister's a lawyer. A lot of people in my family are a lawyer. And I always felt that that was, you know, what I naturally was meant to be because of them. But then I realized that it was not them. I just really, really uh, believe that I was meant to, to, to help people. And, you know, how we help others can be in many different ways. And I just happened that I also like the law. And I just happened that that was what I uh, felt more passionate about, whether it's because of my, my father or my family members that are lawyers, but it is something that it's really deep in my heart. I really enjoy helping others. And I definitely enjoy it more when I get to, to help others with something that it's so complex as the law. Okay. So we always say you cannot be what you cannot see. So you did grow up with seeing lawyers, right? (laughs) Seeing how it worked, seeing what they did. And you thought I could do that. And then you grew. Now, did you always think you were going to go to school in the States? No, 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 no. You know, for me, the States is like, like the biggest example is if you're here in America and you think, oh, I'm going to go on vacation to Europe, right? But you never think about staying and living in Europe and changing your whole life. So that's how I saw the States when I was in the Dominican Republic. I saw the States as, oh, you know, I'm going to go on vacation. You're going to do some uh, visiting. I'm going to see the snow. I'm going to go to Disney and I'm going to do all these things. But never in my wildest dream, I thought I would just move to the United States and actually live and have a life there. And and even more than that, I never thought I would, you know, really make the States uh, my home. And, you know, there's no one that would tell me that this is not the place I'm supposed to be. I love being here. And it's funny, sometimes we, we dream of our future and it happens and sometimes pivots happen and we go, oh, okay, well yeah. now let's dream about snow in Michigan. My my son has a I snow know, day right? today and it's negative 10 out. And so when you think of Dominican Republic, I'm sure you were you know, not dreaming of that. You know, now that you say that, I can tell you like a little joke. I remember, you know, in the... Uh, you know what is the snow globes, you know, that has a little snowman inside. and we had those in the DR, you know, and people just put them in their bedrooms and stuff like that. And the first time I came to the U.S. and I saw a house with snow, I feel so sad. I'm like, how can people live like that? You know, how can you just like leave under all of the snow and walk outside and so cold? You know, I'm from the Caribbean, you know, on the weekends we go to the beach. Every week we go to the beach. And it was like, I was like, how can people do that? And now I've been here for for 10 years plus. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it can be done. 
<laughs> yes, yes, it can be done. And we come to the Caribbean for vacation. <laughs> yes, I know. Now I do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you go to law school. Now, it, it, what I feel like when you, the first six months, you left your daughter in California, you come to Michigan, you you had student loans, you had all of this pressure, yet all of this resistance because you didn't know the language and you had never done this before. So it was like this inner drive to succeed and to make progress, yet you were fighting a lot of barriers that a lot of people don't fight Tell me a little bit about what you learned throughout that first six months. Well, you know, the first thing that I learned was that, you know, in your search for success, however you define that, you know, for, for your, you know, to reach your dreams, you're, you're going to find that it's not easy. That's the first thing. It's, it's never easy. You know, when I wanted to start my own business, when I wanted to go to law school, when I wanted to hike a mountain, when I wanted a 5K, every time I want to do something, I realized it's it looks nice in my head, but when it's time to actually do it, it's hard. So now I know that everything that I do for the first time, everything that I'm going to try, it's going to be hard. So that was one of the things that I learned. But I also learned that once you do the work, once you develop a plan and you stick to it, being strong enough to overcome the, the negative, negative talks that we tell ourselves when things are not working, you know, when we don't see the progress is coming as fast as we want them. I learned that with hard work and dedication, we can move mountains, you know, we can overcome, we can actually reach the goals that we want. And I, I, I went through that for two and a half long years of law school and has been my biggest learning experience is that you know, if you do the work, you'll get the results. Mm. And number three, I learned that, you know, sacrifices are, are something that you have to go through them. You know, I let my, left my daughter in California with her dad. She was just a baby, about a year, year and a half old. And I had many family and friends, including my dad, you know, telling me like, you are so crazy. Why are you leaving your daughter to go to law school? Especially because at that time, I already had my bachelor's degree. I already had my master's degree and I already was working. I had a job, a marriage, and everybody around me was like, why do you want to do something else? You know, why don't you just stay home with your kids? Why don't, you know, and, and sometimes that made me second guess whether I was making the right decision. You know, do, do I really want to do this? Do I really... Uh, is it fair now that I have a daughter to just leave her behind so that I can go to law school? And, you know, and, and it's hard because how can you explain to your dad that, yes, you still love your daughter very much, but you still want to do this and, and, and how you overcome those things to stay focused. And that was really hard for me, but yet I was able to do it. I was able to stay true to myself and silence those other voices around me that could have impacted me. I, and I don't think that that would have been, you know, negative for my, my family, my friends to try to push me to a different direction. I'm pretty sure they were doing what they thought was best for me, but there's no one that will know what's best for you than you. Mm. So that, those, those were the, the main three things that I learned through that process. Oh, so good. So the first thing, it's not easy. Uh, my son goes to, well, he's in second grade now and on and in the hallway, there is a sign that says I can do hard things. And that's kind of an affirmation that I use now. I can do hard things. I'm a finisher. Anybody can do X, Y, and Z, but most people don't. That's what makes me different. Like I can do it. I can do it. And that self-talk that you Give yourself when you want to give up, when it seems bleak, when you don't really know 
what the outcome is going to be. Because most of the time, right, you're walking in the dark. You're in the library by yourself, missing your daughter, wondering, is this going to work? You don't know the end. We don't know the end. All we know is the drive and the desire. And that's what we have to stick with, right? And then the sacrifice is worth it. Like it's, it's never easy, but when we stick to it, we can do it. And there always is going to be choices that we have to make along the way. Oh, but then the third one is that keeping your vision so stinking strong. So mm-hmm. when you have those worries, snowfalls that come down and you yeah. say, your decision. Tell me a little bit more about what you would do. People do it all the time. They want something, but then they listen to the naysayers or they take a step and it's scary. And so then they shrink back to what's most comfortable. You had to keep your vision so strong so that you would do the hard things, so that you would walk through the mud, so you could get to the other side and graduate and get your job. Tell me a little bit about what you did to keep your vision strong so you could stick to your truth. Yes. And, and, you know, and it's not only when your naysayers are trying to keep you away from your dreams, but it's also when the people that love you and that you love back are the ones that are not supporting you. So, you know, what I did, I just spent a lot of time reminding myself, you know, why I was there, you know, what was my ultimate goal? And knowing that there was no other way for me to be a lawyer than to go through law school was, you know, was very helpful, you know, to remind myself, okay, you know, if you want this, there's no way around it. You have to go through A, B, C, and D. And that was very helpful for me to understand what was my end goal. You know, why was I doing these things for me? Why do I need to do this? And that helped me keep focused. That also helped me to um, understand also why my father couldn't see my why or why my friends would be like, why don't you just come home? You know, why, why are you putting your family through this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You know, you're picking up all this debt because it was a lot of that <laughs> for, you know, for, for to go to law school. And I just had to remind myself all the time that, you know, I'm the CEO of my life. I am the one who, who decides what I wanted to do. And this was what I wanted to do. And I was, you know, just had to remind myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Keeping your why so strong, that end goal in mind, so that fire keeps burning. Mm -hmm. When did your family finally move to Michigan? Well, once I stay here in Michigan, I found a job and then I got divorced. But my daughter moved in with me a year after I was able to stabilize in my work. My daughter moved in with me and then her father ended up moving here about three years after, but now we're not, we're not together. They're all in Michigan in the snow now as well. (laughs) Yes. Everybody now is in Michigan. Yes. All right. And so what kind of law do you practice? I do criminal defense. I help good people that has been put in difficult situations to get the best result based on the situation they're in. Awesome. And what keeps you fired up and passionate about the work you do now? I just really feel that and believe 100% with everything in my in my body that we are human beings and people can make mistakes. And also, I believe that people can be accused of things that they have not done. And, you know, whoever thinks that it could never happen to you, I, I think that's have not seen a lot in this world because anything can happen to you. And if someone makes a mistake, I want to be there to be able to find them an, another option a second chance. I am a huge believer of second chances. And, and as an attorney, I feel that I have the opportunity to do so. 
Awesome. Awesome. Now I know you've spoken at failure lab in the past. Can you tell everybody what that is? Oh, the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Okay. So failure lab is a talk that happens here in town. And what they do, it has about 600 people that goes at the same time. They normally do it at a theater. And basically they ask you to speak for 15 minutes about a failure, something that that you did that did not work. And you cannot talk about how you overcome. All you can do is about how things went wrong. Okay. And then it's for the audience to later on uh, continue Googling or learning about you. But it is meant so people know that failure happens. And it doesn't matter who you are. We all have failures in our life and stories that we can share that will impact others to understand that, you know what, it's okay. The reason why most people don't do things in life is because they're afraid to fail. We all are afraid to fail. Once we start something and we think it's not going to work, we just want to let it be. We don't want to continue on it. And Failure App has the ability to, to, to show to people that you can fail. It's okay. It happens to all of us, you know? And they ask you to go like the, the biggest failure you've ever had, And just to talk about, you know, how excited you were and how you got there and how things just did not work. And then you just get to get out of the stage with your sad face about, yeah, that didn't work. (laughs) You survived it, but it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a really, really good experience. And, you know, when I had the opportunity, I talk about how I took the, you know, for you to go to law school you have to take an exam called the LSAT. And imagine that was in English. And at that time I had just moved to the States and it was just super hard, super hard. I couldn't even understand 50% of what they were asking. When I would read, I was like, what the, I, you know, it was hard. So I had to take that exam three times before I was able to, to get the numbers to even apply to law school. And you know, I had to go there and, and explain, you know, how hard I, I work and how I took the exam the first time and, you know, I failed and then I had to do it again and I failed and then I studied, studied, studied again. And that's all they knew. <laughs> that's all they knew. It was up to them. That's to all they knew. You. <laughs> did you make it? Did you make it? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's true. So many times people see the stage, you know, they see the end product. They see you on the cover of a magazine, which I know you recently were on a cover of a local magazine here. And they see the success story, but they don't see the library days. They don't see eating crackers because you're studying all day long. They don't see the fact that you're doing your homework and you're reading with a dictionary next to you, looking up every other word because you don't even know what it means. They don't see the grind. They just see the success. Mm-hmm. And I think something like Failure Lab just gives people a glimpse into the grit that it takes in order to see something till the end. Yes. Yes. And, and, and as you said, you know, it is so easy for people to see the, the good part of it. But when the bad things happen, you know, and, and all the things that get you to there, they don't see it. They don't see the long nights. They don't see the hard work. They don't see the the tears, they don't see the self-doubt, you know, I always said they don't see the pile of debt, <laughs> you know, they don't see all the times that I wonder like, okay, is my daughter okay? Am I a bad mother? 
Am I doing this? Is this wrong? Should I be home with my baby right now? They don't see all that. And, 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 you know, that's why it's important to also share those things. It's important to be vulnerable. It's important to, to show people that, you know, if you want to get to, to D, you have to go through B and C, you know, and B and C are going to be painful. And it's, you know, you're going to second guess yourself. But things do not happen unless you do the work. And that's where you grow, right? I mean, that's where you learn those lessons. That's when you dig down deep and figure out what you're capable of. And do you think your daughter's going to be a lawyer now as well? Mm -mm. I would love for her to become a lawyer. But every time that she has talked about it, she doesn't seem spiritual about it. She wants to be more in the health field. And I am happy to support her with whatever she decides. But I always tell her, if you want to become a lawyer, I'll help you pay for the school. If you do something else, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a lot of medical stuff in the Grand Rapids area as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has also helped her. You know, I always thought she was going to go to school, move to New York or a big city because she always mentioned that she wanted to do that. But I think as, you know, as she grows, get to have more friends here. And, you know, we live in such a vibrant city. She might as well just want to, you know, to stay and make a difference here. Awesome. Awesome. Now you're writing a book. Is that what I hear as well? Yes. Yes, uh, I am. So isn't this hilarious? At 25 years old, you come to the States not knowing a lick of English, and now you're writing a book in English. I know, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what is your book about? My book, it's about overcoming challenges and finding the time to do the things you want in life. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to identify what you want. So I want to be able to inspire people to to be the best they can be, but also at the same time to take time to enjoy their success. I, I work in a, in a very demanding career and I work with a lot of um, high performance folks who can be so focused in just work, 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 and not taking time off to enjoy their fruits of their labor and enjoy their families and enjoy their lives. So I consider myself a work-life balance ninja. And I know that a lot of my friends always say, oh, work-life balance doesn't exist. And it's true. It doesn't. Um, however, there is a way to find that balance. And the balance is whatever you define that to be. You know, for some people, my balance might not be the same one as others. But we do have to find a way to find time for our families, for ourselves, and for the things that we like that are outside of work. I think that um, happiness it uh, should always be part of the goal of anyone that, that wants to leave a legacy. You cannot be successful in life if you don't find that balance. Whatever that balance is for you, it will be unreasonable on my part to think that my balance is the same one as you, as your balance, or that my happiness is the same one as yours, because it's not. We are all very different people with different backgrounds, different goals and dreams. But finding how you can manage your your all personalities you know like in myself I'm a lawyer I'm a real estate investor I am a business owner and I I am also a writer so how do I make all of those parts of me work together because I am as much of a mom as I am as much of a, of a lawyer I could never be happier if I'm just a lawyer and not a mom and I could never be happier if I'm a mom and not a lawyer so my book is meant to 
show how I have been able to identify all of who I am and make it work so that others could do the same or could at least find their own all and be happy. That's my goal with my book. I love that. Find all of who you are so other people can find their all as well. Where did the birth of this book come from? I, it was a mix of, you know, I remember a time where I was just working really, very hard, a lot of hours in my business. And we throw a party here for the Super Bowl. And my husband got a little annoyed because I left the party to attend a client matter that could have waited until Monday. But, you know, when you are in a, at, at that level where you just, you're just so focused on work that you're not thinking about other things in your life. For me, it was natural to just, you know, switch from being with the family to work. And my husband was like, you know, you need to find a balance. Things need to work a little bit better. We have friends here at home and you disappear for the whole event, which was true. And, you know, I decided to, okay, let me, let me listen. You know, once you have your friends telling you that all you do is to work, when you have your friends telling you that you grab your phone and zoom in to work and it's like if nobody's around you, you realize that there's a problem. And I, you know, I started like being open-minded about it and be more intentional and more focused. And then I realized that a lot of people around me were in the same situation. There were great stories about how they overcome their lives, how they overcome all the challenges, how they have sacrificed things to be where they were, yet they were still lacking finding a way to make it all work. And I didn't want to stop being a lawyer just to be a mom. And I didn't want to be a mom just to be a lawyer. So it was like, I am all of that. I am a wife and I want to have a wonderful relationship with my husband. I want to be a mom and I want to be as present as possible. Um, I also want to be a great mom. You know, I, and I, I wasn't sure if I was being a great mom just because I was providing for my daughter, but not necessarily I was being present as I should have, or as I think I should have, or as I wanted to be. So when I realized that, I realized that it is a problem in our society, or at least with a lot of the people that I know in my industry, I also realized that it happens more often than not. And I started doing research about it and realized that, you know, this needs to be said. And I'm hoping that um, when people read it, understands that it is possible to manage who you are together with all the things that you are. You know, you don't have to stop being one thing to be great in the other things. You can be all of you and be successful and happy about it. So that's how it was my husband being um, a husband. And I appreciate that because I now realize like, oh, yeah, I was intense. So I'm glad that it finally, um, we have been able to to manage our times better, to manage uh, our lives better so that we can be more present, so that we can have better vacations so that we can have better work days so that we can be at home and I'm present. And, you know, once I started being more aware of how things were happening, I, you know, I became a a better mom, a better wife, a better professional. It, It was just like, like magical to find that I'm better at everything when I'm better at my other things. 
Ooh, I'm taking notes. And I know that the name of the book is yet to be decided. So you guys will put all of the links for Raquel in the show notes so you can check it out when the book is released. But what I love about you is that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So you learned this aha moment yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this. Everybody needs to know that you truly can have it all, but it has to be on purpose. You can be a great lawyer and a great mom and a great wife and present with your relationships and still successful, but it has to be on purpose because it's not necessarily default to put all all those things in your calendar, especially when you're kind of on a one track mind. And when you decided, all right, I have this aha moment, I'm transitioning my life or I'm evolving in my life. I want to share that with others. You wrote a book. And and I know from experience that writing a book is not as easy as it kind of sounds like sit down with the word doc, right? There's always things that get in the way. There's mud that happens, even if you're self-publishing, let alone working with a publisher and all these things that that happen along the road. So I just want to acknowledge you because you can tell that you are someone who decides what you want and then you keep your own fire lit because you know that what you're doing is not just for you, but it's going to have that ripple effect and it's going to touch everybody that's in your area. You know, it's going to continue to impact all around and to have that aha moment and then write a book about it is going to have that same ripple effect as even you as a lawyer. So good work. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, it's been an, a, a very, very, very time consuming experience writing a book. But I also have been, yeah, I've been taking my time. Um, there's no rush. Um, I just want the book out just because I want to be done with the project so that I can impact other people's lives with it. But at the same time, I, I want this book to be me. And that was the main reason why I lost my first year writing because I was so much paying attention and worry about, oh my God, if I say this, what are people going to think about this? Oh my God, what if I do this? Oh my God, what is this? What? And then I was like, you know what? No, this is me. And um, I'm very vulnerable with a book. And I um, express um, a lot of stories that some of them, when I read them, are still very hurtful in my heart, but it is me. You know, and as I was able to just let go of all these things that were in my head as to, oh my gosh, what if I say this, what people are going to think about me? Um, I realized that I'm, I'm just a human being. And I, the best book that I can write, it's a book that is honest and that truly reflects who I am, regardless of whether people like it or not, you know? Uh, instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, are people going to like this? Oh my gosh, are people going to think that this is that I'm a good lawyer if I say this, or are they going to think I'm a bad lawyer if I say this? When I was away, was able to just remove all those things and just focus on, this is who I am, and this is what I went through, and this is what I learned. That's it. It made things a lot easier, yeah. you know. And 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 during the first time, the first year I will say I was just too focused on oh my gosh if I say that I forgot my daughter's birthday party at school actually it was a valentine's birthday party how are they gonna are people gonna think that I'm a bad mother for that I'm like you know what yeah I forgot my daughter's valentine's party at school and that I'm not a bad mother I just forgot move on Raquel you know so once I was able to realize that I'm writing this book for me that it can also help others but I don't have control of that I only have control of what I'm writing and 
Um, and I wanted to be true to me. I didn't want to just write something just because it makes people feel good. I wanted to write something just because it's what I'm saying and it's who I am. So that made it very hard the first year. Yeah. But now it's like I've opened up. <laughs> but it was well, you've hard. You've given yourself permission to be real. You yes, know? I like, did it in failure lab. You give yourself permission to own your truth and to really live in your truth. And the more that we stand firm in who we are, the more authentic we can express. And I've heard people say, you know, my job is just to give the world my heart, essentially, like give the world my message. And it's up to the world to decide if they like it or not. Like, that's not on me. My job is just to give my gift. Yes. And, and you are. And you are. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I, you know, it took me time to get there. <laughs> it took me time to get there. But I was able to realize that, you know, as much as I, I couldn't give my message without being raw, you know, and without telling people this is exactly uh, you know, what, what you see right now is the result of all this, you know, and yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience. It's been hard to, um, uh, find a, a name that nobody else is already using or that it's as, as original as I could be in the title of the, of the book that is also available in a domain name and that it's, uh, something that I can trademark. So it's been, that, that that part has been a little difficult for me in the past three months that we're uh, thinking about it. But I also have not sit down and, and dedicate time to find that um, because I was, you know, traveling for vacation and doing other stuff in my life. But I do plan to, my, I give myself the deadline of March 1st to wrap that up. Awesome. Awesome. I have a book coming out in May and it's coming out a year and a half later than expected. So just the journey, isn't it? (laughs) Design your dream life. Nice. Yeah. And, and it is, it's one of those, those projects where you're like, the world needs to know this. Oh my goodness. And then you go through the journey and the ups and downs and the pivots and the banging your head against the wall and trying to figure things out that you've never learned before. You grow new brain cells. And the beautiful thing is that that's how we evolve and you kind of come out on the other side, different and better and more experienced. Yes, definitely. So if you're, we're talking to somebody right now who has that passion in their belly, that fire, they feel like they've got that, that connection with what they want. You know, they're excited about the next step in their life, but they're running against resistance. Maybe they don't have to learn a full-blown new language. Maybe they don't have to look up every other word in the dictionary. Maybe they, you know, don't have to make sacrifices that are as grand as yours, but yet they have resistance. They have people telling them, why are you doing that? Just be happy with where you are. Or why aren't you just grateful with the job you currently have? Or, you know, they've got, they've got either naysayers on the outside or even naysayers on the inside, right? Their own self-talk saying, why are you doing that? Just stay comfortable. So what would you say to somebody that's excited about something, but is experiencing that fear? I would say that, you know, to always think about what will life be if they don't do that step? You know, if you want something really bad, think about what will life be if you don't do that? Is that the life you want? If it's okay, then, you know, also listen to to that other part of you. But if your life, the life you want, it's a life that includes that thing that you're so scared to do. You just have to do it. 
you have to do a Nike, just do it, you know, and you just have to go with it and, you know, and embrace it and surrender to it and hope that the universe will speak to you and make things happen for you if you do the things that needs to be done. You know, I, I know it sounds like easy and I know it's not easy, but you just have to go for it and you just have to trust your instincts. You know, I, I, I know how hard it is when you have uh, naysayers or your own negative voices on top of you telling you, but why, why? Things are good this way. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you have more, one more freedom? Why do you have your own business if you have a job that you love? You know what? All those things are valid questions to listen to them, to answer them, but don't let them deter you from achieving your own goals. At the end of the day, you're also going to have to answer yourself once time comes and you have not accomplished the things that you wanted in life just because you heard the voices that you shouldn't have heard. You know, the same way you have the naysayers, you should have your other part of you telling you, yes, go for it. Go. It will be fun. What's the worst thing that can happen? Just give it a try. It will be amazing. And if not, it's okay. Enjoy the ride. You know, it's part of it. You know, so just listen to the voice that will more closer get you to where you want to be next year, the following year, 10 years from now. And you know what? If things don't work, it's okay. It's okay. You will learn so much from the experience and it will, things work. For some reason, I have never found myself in a position where I said, you know what? This just was the worst decision. One time I, I bought a franchise at the, here in Grand Rapids that was at the Woodland Mall. And if you were to ask me, I would have said, my God, that was the worst thing. We spent so much money and we bought it and closed it in six months. But then it wasn't. You know, I learned from that experience that I do not like retail. I do not want to have a store at the mall. I do not. I now I know exactly the things that I don't want. You know, uh, for me, that, that was a, a I, I always said this, this, the schedule, the, that there was a lot of things I was not in the space that I'm in that I liked it, but it was a good opportunity or so I thought and I give it a try and, you know, it just didn't work. But I am not letting that deter me from ex from exploring every other opportunity that comes through my desk that I might like. It's not letting me deter from um, still trying new things, and it's not gonna uh, let it deter me from ever looking into another retail opportunity. I know now that I don't like it, and I know exactly what I didn't like. So if I have another opportunity that now change those things, I will go for it, even if it fails again. You know. So that's what life life is about always trying new things about always following your dreams. And, you know, even you, when you don't see the end, but you know, you'll get there. You still have to give it a try. I love that. I love that. What would life be look like if you said no to yourself? Ah. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. One last question is that part of our job as an entrepreneur, as a dreamer is to keep that voice of truth strong, that voice, that positive voice that says, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, the world needs your message. What do you do on a consistent basis to keep that voice louder? I attend masterminds. I, I hang out with the right people. I, you know, I like to say I'm in my little world. But, you know, that little world is the world that I have created for myself. So 
you know, I, I invest in myself. I read a lot. I listen to podcasts and YouTubes and I follow you on Facebook because I like to always be inspired by people that, that inspire me. And I, I have friends even today that they're like, Oh, another of your motivational stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, it's okay. It is my motivational stuff and it's fine. I, I do, I do like to, to go to, to events throughout the, throughout the country. I like, I do a lot of speaking engagements that I go and speak uh, at other people's venues that are the same way of thinking. And the best part is that it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you know, uh, you can be a doctor, you can be a salesperson, you can be in network marketing, you can be in, in anything, you know, but it is the same thing. If you have the right motivation and you're surrounded by the same people that are cheering you up, that are holding you back when things doesn't work, that are always showing you the way to do things and how you can get to where you want to be, there, I, I find that there's always success that you will find. Awesome. Do you have any favorite books that you'd want to recommend? Oh, well, my, my all-time favorite book is Who Moved My Cheese? If you guys have not read that book, definitely get it. It's a very short book, but it has been... I, I read it when I was doing my master. I was uh, at that time in Puerto Rico many, many years ago and continues to be uh, one of my favorite books of all time because it has one question in there. Um, you asked me about the book. I might, I might not remember everything, but there's one thing I remember in that book that says, what would you do if you were not afraid? What would you do if you were not afraid? And I always ask myself that question. If I were not afraid, will I still do this? And if I said no, then I find out why am I afraid? You know, and I, and I dig deeper. And that book, because of that one sentence that I still remember, changed my life. And because of that, I have bought that book for a lot of my friends because I, I I think I made that guy a millionaire because I bought so many of his books. Um, another book that I love a lot is called uh, How to Be Smarter, Richer, and Better Looking Than Your Parents from Zach Bison. It's, it's uh, also a book that I like a lot. I have also purchased that book as a gift to all of my friends when they graduate from my, my, my daughter's friends, when they graduate from high school or their kids. And it's still one of my, the easiest book to read that handles or deals with uh, personal finance. So I really, really like that book. I think those two books are, uh, have been really books that I really have enjoyed throughout the years. Awesome. And I have read many others, but those two are the ones that I buy the most. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the awesome thing. When you find something that you really resonate with, then again, you gift it. You want everyone else to... Yeah to experience that too. So thank you so much, Raquel, for being on with us today. You have an amazing story, an amazing heart. And I know you're not going to stop. You've got a lot of people to impact and the ripple effect of what you're doing is going to go beyond Grand Rapids, beyond Michigan and throughout the world. So thank you for not being afraid and thank you for continuing to say yes to your dreams. Thank you so much, Denise. And thank you for having me on your show. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.